The biggest lessons I've learned in my life are here. Through different topics, I'm going to inspire and motivate you to reach your success and your dreams. I'm so grateful that you're here on Journey to Success. So let's enjoy my next episode together. Hi, Abigail. My name is Fabio from the Fabio Podcast, Success Stories, and uh, welcome. Today, we're going to talk about your relationship with uh, your kids, uh, dealing with ADHD and other challenges that have come up during your journey. But before we start, how are you? I am, um, you know, doing okay under the circumstances. Uh, There is a war going on, so I'm uh, trying to keep it together and keep the children safe. Um, but I am doing well. Thank God. Strong. All right. Okay. 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 So perfect. So who is Abigail? Abigail is a mom and uh, a special educator. And everything changed when uh, her kids were diagnosed with uh, celiac and ADHD. Correct me if I'm wrong, Abigail. Yeah. Now you uh, got it. Perfect. And uh, before um, we get to that point, uh, let's talk a little bit about your life before. So what was your typical day like? So just tell us a little bit the, you know, the life before, uh, before this situation, basically. Okay. Well, I, I'm a New Yorker. Um, and, uh, life, uh, you know, I, I had to describe it. It's not like, uh, there was something dramatic that happened. It's just that when my oldest was diagnosed with ADHD, uh, there, things changed a little bit because suddenly we were kind of dealing with something that seemed to be a medical condition, um, which I've come to realize is not a medical condition, but that was the way it was. So beforehand, as, as my kids were rolling in, being born one after the next, I had all six of them in 11 and a half years. So uh, that's pretty, pretty intense. Um, they just, you know, seemed to be very high energy, regular, happy children, uh, every one of them with their own unique personality and and different different interests and desires, and they kept me incredibly busy. Um, and then you know they started being diagnosed, and and then that's when my story kind of unfolds, where I had to figure out how to navigate the school system, the medical system, and protect my children and their health, and uh, make sure that they grew up knowing that they were healthy people and that they could do anything in the world. Okay, 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 perfect, nice. Uh, Do you remember exactly uh, the moment uh, you realized there was uh, uh, something, uh, uh, let's say, wrong? So do you remember exactly that moment? Mm, So I have uh, two different parallel stories. We have the ADHD story and the celiac story as well. So uh, for the ADHD story, I'll go back to my oldest. And uh, we we had actually been living in Moscow, Russia. My husband and I have traveled a a good bit. We're living in the Middle East now in Israel. And uh, we had spent that time in Moscow. And my daughter was in a small, wonderful school and uh, they, they left her there and they let her run around and, and uh, really accommodated her energy because she was so delightful and pleasant and, and, and a good student because they, they really let her move around and, and be herself. And then we moved uh, back to Israel and, uh, the, and I put her into a very large crowded classroom because we, we didn't have that same kind of school 
uh, here. And then I remember the teacher calling me in. My daughter was in second grade and saying, you know, we have a problem here. Your daughter is just not making it. And I was stunned because she was such a beloved student in the in the school the year before. And she was so cherished. And suddenly I'm being told that this kid who is as a great mind and is very intelligent and, and curious has a, a problem. And, and that was really shocking to me. And quite heartbreaking too. I, I did not uh, take it well to to hear that there was something. Obviously, no kid is perfect, and I don't expect my children to be perfect. But to be told that there's something wrong with my child's brain was uh, was really terrible. Uh, in terms of the celiac, it was actually my fifth child who started that story. Um, after taking one of his uh, vaccines, it was the MMR varicella vaccine. He uh, he got very sick, and uh, he never recovered which was extremely strange. And I remember his kindergarten teacher, he was, he was only in the sec, he was only two years old. So it was his, he had a babysitter and she said to me, you know, he's getting sick way more often than usual. And, and uh, suddenly I, I looked at her and I was like, oh my God, you're right. In the last two months, he's had about five fevers and, uh, and we can't really bring them down very easily. He's, he's really been very sick. So suddenly I have this two-year-old on my hands, who is uh, has high fevers and vomiting probably 50% of the month. Uh, and he was going from being extremely healthy, very vibrant, energetic, uh, chubby little boy to he started shrinking. He was losing weight. No, you, no parent wants their baby to be losing weight at the age of two. So those were my two uh, big wake-up calls. Wow. Well, I know the um, I kind of know the the symptoms of um, uh, of a person who has uh, um, ADHD. So they are a little bit more distracted. They have a uh, uh, more energy, and uh, uh, at the same time, they uh, they prioritize uh, something uh, mm-hmm. that is not in line uh, with. Uh, the community around them, you know. So, but what about the celiac one? So what are the the symptoms? So Um, celiac has a range of symptoms, which is why it takes a while to, uh, to actually diagnose it. Uh, for my for my fifth child, it took them about four years. And actually it wasn't the doctor who diagnosed it. It was It was his his mother's research who landed up uh, getting that diagnosed. I I finally mm-hmm. just uh, you know I was reading a ton. He was getting he was getting pricked with with uh, blood tests once a month, which was really horrifying for a little kid to have to go through that constantly and and just sick so often. I finally started doing my own research because the doctors were not coming up with anything. Yeah, and he even had uh, you know he had loads of and the, the, the celiac was not showing up. So I just took him off of gluten at one point and he stopped being sick. Um, so it was, it was pretty remarkable. And I took him back to the doctor to do a celiac test and, and he came up extremely, extremely positive for celiac, meaning he had those, those auto antibodies for celiac. So celiac can be asymptomatic. My, my, uh, fourth child, his older brother, um, once, once he turned up with celiac, the younger one, I had all of my kids screened a couple, like two years later, because that's what they recommend you do. And his older brother landed up uh, coming up positive for celiac as well with absolutely no symptoms. He was growing, he was healthy, uh, everything was fine with him. So celiac can range from 
brain fog, exhaustion, not gaining weight, having smelly or loose stools, to being extremely ill, uh, to nothing. Uh, so we, so we had all, all the ends of the spectrum. Um, and, um, that's why the doctors were not, were not really nailing the, yeah. the diagnosis. All right. Okay. Uh, can you tell me what was the most, uh, uh difficult moment, uh, for you discovered that your uh, child was a uh, celiac or, uh, discovered the fact that, um, has been diagnosed the, the ADHD? Before we go through, if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider taking just three seconds to share it with someone else. It is a small gesture that could make a big difference in someone's day. Now, sit back and enjoy the rest of the episode. Well, the celiac was definitely more difficult for me uh, right. because his his childhood was really taken away from him. He's he spent fifty percent of his childhood in bed with a high fever. So, just watching him suffer like that, every family trip we took, he was in a stroller with a fever. Wherever we went, we have pictures of him at the Statue of Liberty, at, at uh, you know, in, in Europe, and in, in all sorts of beautiful hiking trips where he cannot move because he's sick. So yeah. that was definitely took much more of a toll on me as a mother. Also, because I think at the start, uh, you don't really know what is the issue, you know. So I think at the start, it's very difficult to recognize the, the, the illness. So I think maybe that was the reason why you found more strangle, I guess. I'm just guessing. Maybe Yeah, I'm that's that's really a very good point. Yeah. Actually, that you're so okay. right because when we don't know what's going on, the, the uncertainty definitely makes no, it more yeah. painful. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, did you find a cure about it, or how how is it? Actually, there is a cure about it. Sorry about my ignorance <laughs> <laughs> about, this, about this about this this illness. But does it exist? Or not. So that's what's amazing. That, and I'm so glad you brought that up because oh, nice. when the doctor, um, when when my, my boys were, were diagnosed, each one, one after the next, the doctor told me celiac cannot be cured. This yeah. is a chronic condition and you just have to get used to it. And, and I, and I bought the story. Sure. Of course it cannot be cured. So we went out and bought all this, you know, the gluten-free food and we did that for years and, and everywhere he went to camp, to birthday parties, I sent him along with food and care packages constantly. It was like an always worry. How are the boys going to eat? What should we feed the boys? And then I, I heard this amazing podcast. This is why I love podcasts. I get so much, so much good information. So I, I thank you for your efforts. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I, I hear this amazing podcast. Um, uh, it's called Chris Beat Cancer. And it was uh, a podcast actually about a woman who had a very, very bad autoimmune condition um, called lupus, which, which most of us know about, but it, it's just a terrible condition. I'm not going to go into her entire story, Um, but she managed to by mistake cure herself from lupus, which was unheard of beforehand. She was so shocked by it. She herself was a doctor and she did not know about that. So she really dedicated her life 
to uh, helping people cure autoimmune conditions. So I was so intrigued by it. I got her books. I listened to every single piece of information she put out. And I decided to put my boys on the diet that she recommended. That was not easy because it's a raw vegan diet with a big giant green smoothie every single day. And try to take two growing boys who don't even like vegetables and put them on an only fruit and vegetable diet for two months. We pulled it off. We did it during the summer. And I promised them instead of having yummy food, they were going to have yummy activities. And we spent every single day during the summer doing super fun things and really making it worthwhile for them to, to chug along. They were, they were dumping the green smoothies down each other's throats so that they wouldn't have to taste it as it went down. And, uh, and afterwards, we did blood tests, and lo and behold, the, the celiac was indeed gone. Um, they continued not eating gluten for the next couple of years because I was still nervous. I, I, I didn't know if I could actually um, really, really rely on what we had done because I was so convinced that you can't cure this thing. But then this year, um, both of my boys spontaneously started eating gluten without, without really consulting with me. And about a few months in, they finally admitted it to me. Mom, we've been eating gluten. I'm like, oh my God, you're going to kill yourselves. This is terrible. What an awful idea. You're just going to make yourself sick. So we went and I hauled them down for more blood tests. And three years and three months later, the, the boys did not have any celiac and they are as healthy as as anyone that, that's never been diagnosed with celiac and they have no reactions to eating gluten. That's very interesting. And I'm not even surprised, I have to be honest, because really? it's all about food. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's literally what we eat every time. And um, I had uh, an interview a couple of months ago with, uh, with a doctor as well. And he said to me, you know, all the issue, uh, the motor illness, uh, cancers that we are having right now, we didn't have until one year, 100 years ago, eight, 80, 100 years ago. So it's truly about about what we are eating, uh, you know, uh, which way we eat, which product we buy. Right. Um, so no, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised, but I'm surprised about the fact that people don't understand that uh, this way to to live the life uh, is uh, is wrong. I mean, our our life or ge- generally, you know, like eating uh, uh, finger food every day or uh, do not be so much focused uh, on a healthy diet. This is very important if someone wants really to improve um, on life. So that's what I that's what I think. A hundred percent. And honestly, I I actually get got to the diet through doing research for ADHD because ADHD behavior also has a link to diet, especially in people who have uh, autoimmune conditions and any other kind of uh, health conditions, like they have asthma or allergies or, or autism, all yeah. of those things that are related to ADHD and behavioral issues in children, behavioral emotional issues. Um, are often able to be cured through diet. And uh, through that's why I was listening to the podcast because I was doing all this research for the ADHD. And then this came up and I'm like, oh my God, I just hit a gold mine. Um, and I, and I do, devote a lot of the time in my book to discussing a diet and ADHD, but uh, it, it was already written before we did the 
the diet for the celiac, or I would have con- included that in there. But I've seen amazing results when kids uh, are able to change their diets. Their their rash, their skin rashes go away. Their behavior calms down. Their runny noses dry up, and uh, and that's a huge deal because the a lot of the times the children's misbehavior yeah. is coming from severe discomfort, and therefore when you're able to to calm their stomach down, calm down their immune system, so it's not creating mucus all the time, then the children are able to start focusing yeah. and learning. Yeah, 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 totally, totally agree. And uh, talking about the ADHD, well, at the end, it looks like that you are, uh, you accepted um, this situation with, uh, uh, with your kids, correct? No, 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 of course not. Oh, I'm a mama bear. Not at all. Right. Um, no, that's okay, okay, <laughs> when okay. I realized when my daughter started, uh, I, I'm a special education teacher. So uh, I was I was well placed for okay. uh, receiving my children with the ADHD uh, diagnosis. But at the, I started doing research right away because my first appointment with with a neurologist where she declared that my daughter had ADHD was so strange because she didn't she didn't do any neurological evaluations. She just looked at a checklist. And then she told me with all of her confidence that was something wrong with my daughter's brain. And the only thing that would fix it would be this pill that was a street drug as far as I had known before that. So they even so, didn't do any test or something. It was just, I mean, there was no rep- no medical report or something. It was just basis of uh, what uh, she saw, correct? Well, it's not even based on what she saw. There is no medical test for ADHD. Mm, That's the thing. Okay. We have to trust the doctor's opinion of our child. Um, and it's just an opinion. So let's say my child came came in that day particularly well-behaved, uh, which in my case did not happen. But let, let's say that happened um, and calm. Then she would say, oh, you know, this, this is a very calm child. I don't see any problem. But it's not really based on her assessment of my child's behavior in the 20-minute appointment, or even in some cases, you know, you'll have a couple of hours worth of time with the, with the pediatrician or with the neurologist. Um, but it's really based mainly on a questionnaire that's given to the parents to fill out and the homeroom teacher to fill out. So, and, and it's a sliding scale, you know, one to five evaluation of the child's behavior, distractibility, impulsivity, all of that. And based on that, the doctor's almost not paying any attention to the child, looking at the papers, asking a couple of questions, seeing if the kid could touch their nose or other silly things, and then declaring them to have a neurological condition. So the entire evaluation systems seemed so off to me because there was nothing medical going on. Okay. 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 And how did you come up at the end? So at the beginning, I was really um, bullied into um, medicating my children. Okay. And I, I watched them on medication and they were certainly not doing better. They were, they were more passive. One of my children got bullied in school because he was, wasn't able oh to respond because he's a cool kid. And, and, but what, once he was on this, this uh, stimulant, he, w- he was so suppressed that the kids could make fun of him, throw things at him, and he didn't have the wherewithal to defend himself or even to go tell a teacher. And um, that my, my daughter, who's an extremely active person, she's actually a dancer today and a yoga instructor, she, 
she would sit in cl- in the classroom during recess because she didn't have enough curiosity and desire or energy to get outside and play. And it wasn't that they were on the wrong uh, dose. They were on the appropriate dose for their for their weight. And, and I tried to keep the dose a little bit lower and, and still they were not engaging life. With my research, I noticed that actually the point of this kind of, of drug is to reduce curiosity of things around them. Oh, and therefore they hyper-focus on the one thing that's in front of them. But when you reduce curiosity in a child, they stop learning and they stop interacting with their environment and they stop making friends. So it was at that point where I said, okay, this is not working for me. I need to make a change. I need to figure out what's going on here. Hmm. Okay. 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 It's, uh, I have to say, this makes me a a little bit cry, you know, like they gave to us medicine and, uh, claiming that through this medicine, we, we are better. Right. Right. I mean, if you cut curiosity, you consequently cut the dreams, you know, of the child. You cut everything. You, you, it's, 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 it's very scary that there are, uh, you know, there are medicinals that they can do, they can make this effect. So that's what I was, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent. And, and as a classroom teacher, I actually would, would ask the, the parents if they wouldn't mind not having the kids medicated for, for, um, in my classroom. Um, and, uh, th- there were parents who were very happy with that and they, they did not medicate their children. This is way back when, when the kids had two doses per day and they had to get their second dose from the school nurse. And, uh, this was, this was before I had children yeah. of my own, but something, something didn't feel right to me way back then. And I taught the students, um, closer to the afternoon from like 12 o'clock to four o'clock. And therefore they were able to just take one dose and not take the second dose. So they had a rebound at lunchtime. Then they ate something properly. And then they came into my classroom. And uh, I found that there were so many ways to teach these children, to put them at the center of my classroom and teach them in the way that they need to learn that they really flourished and they did very well. So I wanted my children to have that same experience. Yeah, of course. Uh, Abigail, I was thinking, but uh, did you become an, um, an educator after the after your kids um, after two your kids have been di- diagnosed the the age the ADHD? I guess correct or not? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, no, okay. I was I was uh, actually a became a teacher. I had finished my master's right before I got married, and uh, okay. and so no, I was I was. Uh, Ready and waiting for this situation to happen. Okay, it's uh, how how can I say it's it looks beautiful, right? In yeah. s- some way, they your children uh, indirectly gave you the inspiration to to make something uh, uh, very beautiful. You know, to realize something beautiful about your life. That's yeah, what I'm very grateful right to my children. They they've taught me yeah. pretty much everything I, valuable to know. Yeah, yeah, but as understood, then you are still fighting for it. You you are kind of in a mission. We can say that. So you are yeah. still studying. You are still trying to understand how to improve more and more this situation. Correct? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Once I got yeah. started, I I I carried on. I got a you know very tight grip on it and really started doing a tremendous amount of research. I actually work with ADHD today. 
um, all over the world. I, I um, work with with people over Zoom everywhere. I work with couples and with teens with ADHD, Beautiful. as well as as families. And uh, I'm always doing more research, but I developed an intervention plan called my Hyper Healing Intervention Plan, where I um, am constantly developing new ways for kids to overcome their ADHD symptoms, because that's not something that you have to hold on to for life. These are things that you could overcome. You can live a very, very fulfilled and happy life. And, and then your ADHD symptoms become either a habit that no one's perfect and therefore you've got some things that you're not great at, like let's say showing up on time, or you just are able to really overcome them and, uh, and move on. Cool, 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 cool. Well, with all these experiences and uh, questions and the answer, so who is today uh, Abigail uh, Kimpel? Mm. Tell me. Well, I would say definitely, um, I am definitely a mama bear, big time. Mm -hmm. um, and I am a defender of the right of children to have a childhood that's healthy, that's not diagnosed, that's not medicated that allows them to be curious, to explore, to grow up, to have dreams, to have goals and hopes and aspirations, to not be treated like glass, to not be, uh, to, to be treated as though they are full human beings with incredible potential. And, uh, and I'm going to keep fighting that fight. Beautiful. Beautiful. And, uh, nice. Thank you so much, Abigail. And, uh, is there anything else would you like to say before to conclude? Tell me. Um, well, I, I would like to say to parents uh, everywhere in the world that if your child is exhibiting any kind of difficulty, um, whether it be ADHD, anxiety, depression, or something physiological, often they overlap. Be curious. Find out what's going on for your child. Do not assume that anything you're told is gospel. There's many, many ways to heal your children from everything. Don't be afraid of your children's symptoms. Know that the symptoms are just a way to show you that the child's struggling. That's it. The symptoms are not a disease. There's yeah. something going on that you can help your child heal from. The only person in the world that's going to help your child is you. And therefore, it's only your responsibility to get out there and do your research and ask your questions. And don't just rely on somebody who's seen your child for 20 minutes and is wearing a white coat. Doctors are wonderful. They have incredible abilities to help our children heal. But at the end of the day, you are your child's only advocate. So do the job right. Be there at your child's side. And, and most, most importantly, enjoy the process. Our children teach us everything. They are, they're remarkable. They're, they are the biggest gift we'll ever have. So enjoy them. These, these years when their children will never come back, Don't spend them being worried about it. Don't spend it medicating them. Spend it enjoying them. Love it. Love it. Love it. Beautiful words. And uh, with this, we can uh, close the episode. Thank you, Avigal, for being here to the Fabi podcast. And uh, thanks to my community to be always here. A hug and see you next Wednesday. Cheers. Here we are. Congratulations. You just finished my entire episode. So... The only thing I ask is to take a moment to give Journey to Success a rating. By the way, thank you so much for being here on Journey to Success. I'm very grateful. Thank you 
and see you next time.